It's the Alexandra and Friends podcast, and we're covering the everyday issues of life, health, and wealth. And as always, we have a great panel of experts with us. Here is your host, Alexandra Fincher. Good evening. Welcome to Alexandra and Friends 660 The Answer. Thank you so much for being another Saturday night with us, enjoying our show and getting to meet people you've never heard about that we're bringing to you, to your home or your car or your phone. Thank you again. Uh, we're going to take just a second here to listen to the Michael Clark's children uh, de- doing the Pledge of Allegiance, as we do every Saturday night, and we hope that you take a moment for that. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. This show is brought to you every week by Miller Title, Roberto Perez. And we thank him so much because he makes it possible for me to bring some amazing guests. Uh, last week, we had a, a very, very wonderful show from Genesis Women's Shelter and Support. And the CEO, her name is Jen Langbein. Right, yes. And she was just amazing. This morning, we have a show. Um, our Courtney is not here because her mother is very ill. Keep her prayers going because uh, she is in ICU. But we are going to miss Courtney. Oh, yeah. Hi, Billy. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, yeah. He's getting smarter now. He's taking over the show. <laughs> you're outnumbered this morning, though, oh, yeah. Alexandra, because show. your producer is on the air, too. Alexandra and her guy friends. Yes. So, Billy, our, our producer is jumping in today because we have an amazing guest. Why am I here, then? You because He's you are, a professional. Well, because he's going to teach you how to be a professional. Okay. You never know. You might be uh, having your own show soon. I just want to be young again. I've, I've never hosted my own show. I've been doing radio for 22 years, but I've never hosted my own show. I've been co-host many times. Is this where you thought you'd start? No. Okay. I always wanted to be behind scenes. I always wanted to be Rush Limbaugh's uh, producer. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wouldn't have yeah. been great. Yeah. Get your name out there without being right. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Billy, tell us a little bit about you because everybody wants to know everybody who my co-host is. Oh, we. I am a busy person. Like. I overextend myself all the time. We're always on the road, weekend warriors. Um, I'm I'm always helping neighbors and friends with things, so I'm just constantly busy. Well, yeah. that's the I went to bed at eight o'clock show. last night just to catch up. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So, what did you do this weekend? We drove to the Grand Canyon and back with a load of dirt bikes and a travel trailer, and I drove. Oh, we started driving at ten a.m. Sunday. And I made it back to my house 5.30 in the morning, Monday morning. So wow, what a life. Never stopped. Just drove all night. Well, yeah. all I got to say is that I'm so glad you're here because <laughs> we have amazing shows. Wasn't it an amazing show last week? Yes. Very eye-opening. Um, she brought a lot of things to the table that I don't think about. You know, it's good to get these people out there and, and hear those things. You know, she said things about the signs, the cues of, of abuse, domestic stuff. Right. Um you know, the control that, that men have sometimes you don't realize that's what it is. Um, and so it made me think a lot about, and I think that she personal was, stuff. She is like the perfect person to run that kind of organization. Oh yeah. Just her whole personality, oh, her positivity and her brightness. She was, ex- um, just exuberant. Yes. You know, it's like she exuded this, this positivity it's, and this glow. Oh. Yes. Yeah, she was definitely in tune with that, that whole thing. It's organization right. and what it's for. Well, uh, I was at the Galleria yesterday, and it looks like they're getting ready to put the uh, yeah. this whole wall. That comes up comes October fifth. October fifth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So today is October first. So no. Oh yes. It yes. Is. Yes. Yeah. It is. So today starts the uh, month of um, concentrating on abuse. Yeah, domestic domestic violence. violence. Actually, today is the second. Oh, I'm sorry. Today is the second. 
That's right. Saturday, hey, we're all yes. running on coffee. On right. coffee. Yeah. Uh, I'm running on Perrier. Perrier. Ooh, pineapple. <laughs> but I this month is dedicated to national violence. Yes. Domestic me, violence? Domestic violence, yeah. yeah. Well, violence is, you know. But I would notice in the last couple of weeks the the, media, the uh, news is about violence, violence on children, violence on women, violence on elderly. It's just becoming a very serious situation. Men killing, men killing their wives. Mm-hmm. They're going to those stores. They kill them right where they are. What is happening? Is there well, something to do with our society of today? Yeah. After the last 18 months of the government and leaders giving us uh, psychological warfare, saying that you have to lock yourself away to keep safe from a disease. Yeah. I think some people are going nuts. Yeah. They sure have the tools for that warfare, you know, technology. Well, that, yeah. Media and media, uh, social media. Colleges. Yeah. They're in control of all that entertainment. Well, and I think what the biggest problem today is that a lot of the, like like she mentioned, like Jan mentioned, a lot of these people that are having issues at home during this during this time, they can't even make a phone call because they're afraid that their partner will will hear and really be worse than what it was. And just imagine how the children in this in this um, way that in in a home where they're is abuse going on and what is happening to the children? Mm-hmm. They're listening to this. Sure. And the sexual abuse I was reading yesterday was tremendous. And so somewhere we have to just do something. Uh, and I don't know when, when we talk about doing something, I, I was listening to um, a, a show the other day said, well, we all talk about doing something, but what do we do? Well, hopefully we support Genesis Women's Shelter. That's, That's very a good. good. Start. That is a very good start. I would, uh, if you have, I, I went to the thrift store uh, on, um, mm-hmm. on that's a good way to Thursday, support. Yeah, and I bought a few things, but I didn't realize how big it is. And it's pretty so, big. Oh my gosh! So is that over there on Inwood Road? Is it's off of Lemon, Lemon, Lemon okay. area. Okay, but it was it just it's huge. But the amount and it's nice quality things, and and uh, it is run very well and very inexpensive. I got some <clears> pictures and stuff for my house, but it is. Uh, I think it took. I'm a sure lot my of wife me. would love it. Well, but they're looking for good donations also. Oh, no, we so, can do that, too. So if you have yeah. donations, if you oh, have are you kidding? furniture. We go through every few months and just get bags of stuff that my kids don't use anymore. Well, we want to make Jane proud of being on this show, Alexander and Friends, by helping the shelter and the women and the men, because they are also have men that are abused sure. by their partners. I know all about it. I'm just kidding. What? That's not fun. <laughs> not really. Not not <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. Like he said, his wife uh, probably Jane would have to come and uh, t- help him because of his life. <laughs> oh yeah, she's the tough one. I always. <laughs> well, <cower>. we're we're <laughs> so glad to to be here, and I'm sorry that Courtney's not here, and we're praying that her mother gets better mm-hmm. and um, keep prayers coming for her. Yes. So let's talk about this evening because we have an amazing, an amazing young man, I and I'd love wait. to uh, to um, talk. There, I'm going to bring back a little bit about a year, two years ago. Uh, I'm very involved in the community, and I always feel when I keep hearing people say minority, I always feel like, gosh, how can we be minorities when God created all of us equal? Is it, is this not correct? I mean, yeah. I, I just hate that word because to me, if God created me, I'm the best there is. Whichever, <laughs> I mean, that's the You're way the I feel. You. The, I'm the best me, and I think is the best of everyone, and I think that's where we're missing. When people start calling themselves minorities, then they have left one thing behind. You're the mm-hmm. son or daughter of God, and right. he created you to his image. And so I think we need to stop and start ta- thinking about who is your father? There you go. Who is your father? 
is not your regular father on earth because this is very important to understand. So I always go back to my book of Genesis because that's where I go every day. And I think, what's happening to our country? We forget where we come from. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was written off of the Bible. All men are created equal. Oh, yeah. And that's what the Bible says, too. And so, a lot of those founding fathers were ministers. Yeah. But I think our country and forgets we've that. Strayed, we've strayed. We've strayed away. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Very far. And we have a, a uh, right now, I'm sorry to say that we have uh, our um, leadership in our country is very, very astray. And they don't understand that things are not the way they should be. They're giving the role of God to the government. Yes. As a matter of fact, I've been listening to a governor that says God told her to tell us that we have to take the vaccine. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) This is really, if you turn on uh, 660 AM, the answer in the morning, listen to Mark Davis. I think he will talk about it. This governor in Chicago is saying that God has told her to tell us that. You mean the mayor of Chicago or the governor of Illinois? No, it's one of the, I think it's the, oh, the governor. No, it's the governor of New York now. The, it's the, the new, new governor. The yes, governor. yes. Uh-huh. She's she she's pleading oh, yeah. that, we, that we have nothing to learn from Chicago, if you ask me. Right? Yeah. Well, we have Chicago. nothing to learn from New York either. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's let, we have an exciting show this evening, and and I want to tell you how we have known about him is because he was on the Uncle Tom documentary, which is an oral history of the American Black Conservative, and I love that because conservatives are what keeps this country going because we talk about economic development. We talk about God. We talk about children. We talk about life in itself. Oh, how important it is because God is with us. What do you think, Michael? I think this is going to be a wonderful interview. And I've been excited about this movie since I heard of it coming out. And I was, uh, you know, working here at this radio station, I was kind of freaked out because I didn't know if they were going to allow us to even advertise something called Uncle Tom. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it turned out really well. Well, let's bring our guest this evening and let him tell us all about him because he is very handsome, <laughs> he's very smart, and uh, he is going to tell us everything about him and Uncle Tom. Okay. So good evening, Chad. Nice to have you here. And your name is what? Chad O. Jackson is my name. Wow. And I see it all right here. It says Chad O. Jackson. What does the O stand for? It's my middle name. It's O'Neill. Well, tell us all about you. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and uh, how we got you here today. Right. So I was born in Fort Worth, Texas, Uh, raised in Mansfield, Texas, graduated from Mansfield High School in 2008. Um, Around the time I was graduating, uh, a lot of my older friends who were finishing college at the time were experiencing a lack of being able to find good jobs because that was the year that we had the housing market crash and the economy was kind of in turmoil. And so it was also around the time that I was born again. I grew up in church, but it was around the time when I began to take my faith seriously and make it my own. And so I thought that it was my calling to go into ministry. So I applied to uh, Criswell College. It's a Bible college in Dallas, Texas. And I got accepted, but when it came time to pay tuition before the first semester, I didn't have the money to to pay for it. So I figured, you know what, I'll uh, I'll go get a job and raise enough money to be able to come back next semester and actually begin my my uh, biblical training. Um, so I found a job as a plumber's apprentice 
And I learned quickly that this isn't just a job. If you're going to guarantee that you have a job to come back to the next day, you actually have to learn what you're doing because this is actually a career. And so it was through working as a plumber's apprentice that I realized, uh, well, let me rewind a little bit. I was on fire for God. Um, I was one of those guys who just kind of wore my faith on my sleeve. So we were working at the maximum security jail in downtown Fort Worth. We were building this new building and it was there where you're dealing with a lot of men ranging from ages of being young men to middle-aged men. And these are guys who, uh, are dealing with all sorts of things, you know, whether it be alcoholism, whether it be, you know, fighting over custody for their children, whether it be going through divorces and me being this young man who wears my faith on my sleeve. Uh, I found that these guys were coming to me um, little, little by little, one by one asking, Hey, would you pray for me about this? Hey, uh, what does the Bible say about this or that? So this show is brought to you by Miller titled Roberto Perez. So if you're looking for a place to go and close on your home, look up Roberto Perez at Miller title, Texas. Well, we're right back again, Mr. Uh, what is your name, Billy? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Billy Tatum Billy with Tatum. Uh, Structure Foundation. He is our co-host, and he's doing an amazing job. Sometimes he's a little late, or he doesn't even show up, but he is here tonight. Wow, very <laughs> we have busy. A, we have an amazing <laughs> guest this evening. So, Chad, tell us. I'm so glad you're here. Chad O. Jackson, a very young, yeah. conservative young man, which... Very, very handsome. Well, let's pick up right where you left off. So you're at the jail yeah. working. You're 18, 19 years old. Right. So we're building this building. And as I said, plumbing was just something I got into to raise enough money to go into ministry. And while working on this job site, being a young man who wears my faith on my sleeve, these men who were my coworkers, who themselves were going through all kinds of like, yeah. You know, custody battles, divorces, right. we all have alcoholism. Stories. They we all, all had their help. own yeah. their own issues. Uh, they would come to me one by one. Hey, uh, you know, wh- what does the Bible say about this? And hey, would you pray for me about that? And so on and so forth. And it was there where I realized you don't necessarily have to be in a church in the ministry to minister to these guys. You can be down in the trenches. Oh yeah, you can be working alongside these guys and be a light wherever you are. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to make plumbing my career and decided not to pursue ministry. And so, um, and so, yeah, I, I I went through the whole, the motions, got my journeyman license, uh, when I was 24, 25, and then got my master plumbing license when I was 26, 25 or 26, somewhere around there. And that's when I started my, my own company. Um, what is the name of your company? So at the time it was called Puritan plumbing company. Yeah. Do you still have it? Um, that's a, a long story. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we started Puritan Plumbing Company. Um, I decided to merge with a friend of mine, um, who's a master electrician. And so we, uh, we went into business together. Um, we started what's called the King's Electric and Plumbing. I was, uh, it was then when I was, um, reached out to by Justin Malone who is a Dallas-based documentarian. And he said, hey, we're making this film about black conservatives. Do you, uh, do you want to sit down and, and have an interview? Uh, somehow or another, he got my name. I'm not, I'm not sure how. I used to be involved in uh, 
Dallas Republican politics. And so I'm sure that's how he got my name. You Love ran for it. office at one point, right? Yes, but that's that's uh, centuries ago. That's, no, that's another life. <laughs> that's another life. <laughs> that's only five years ago. Yeah. So <laughs> so um, he uh, so he approached me and I said, sure, I'll sit down for your interview. So we sat down. Um, I was, I think, the first interview that they that they did. And he was able to take that interview and go and show it to Larry Elder. Larry Elder introduced him to all these other people, Candace Owens, Brandon Tatum, Herman Cain, Colonel Alan West. And they were able to put together this phenomenal film. And, you know, I kept going with Kings Electric and Plumbing. And after the film was released, uh, Justin Malone reached out to me again and said, hey, what if you came and worked with us on other films? And so I made a decision to downscale and leave my partnership. And so now I still own a plumbing company. It's just called Chad O. Jackson Plumbing. Um, it's not just Chad O. Jackson. <laughs> it's Chad O. Jackson yeah, Plumbing, it's, it's okay? Chad o. Because your Plumb. name is very, very, very important. <laughs> so don't forget that. So we uh, so we downscaled. We're not on Google. We're not on Yelp or anything like that. We're, we're not trying to scale upward. Uh, all the customers that we work for are you know, customers who have been loyal for, for a long time. Well, that's what you want. All the work that we do is, is by word of mouth. Um, and we're, we're, we managed to stay really busy in spite of not being online. So, so yeah, so I still have a plumbing company. It's just not the same. So now you're in the film business basically. Yes. And, oh, wow. Well, tell us a little bit. So just let's go back a little bit. Were your parents very conservative when you were uh, growing up? Uh, subconsciously, subconsciously. And I think that's true of a lot of folks, not just black folks. I think that's a, a, true of a lot of folks. I think when it comes to the the values and the views that my father instilled in myself and my siblings, they are very much conservative. It's about hard work ethic, about productivity, about, you know, just being um, an honorable, respectful person. So what the, an amazing. You're saying things that everybody should be aware of. Right. Billy, this yeah. is this is important in our oh, society yeah. today. Yeah, I, I've I've actually come across uh, a lot of black conservatives. I've, I've run across a lot of people you think would not be conservative, right. and their reasons were based almost on that exactly: hard work, do your own thing, make you you know you're only free if you earn it. In mm-hmm. in that sense, that's and, a good word. Well, a lot of people it. are attracted to the liberal ideas because they sound good and. In theory, they end up in utopia. Okay, but with cons- yeah. but conservative is really the way people act out, and in reality, the way that they live, if they hold to good morals, they will live conservative. I have a I have a really good example. I I met a a district judge. I won't say where or who, and it was a black district judge, and he had this million dollar house, mm-hmm. and uh, I meet him, and he had Trump signs and. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and he, and he just right off the bat, you're probably wondering why I support Trump, huh? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I do. And, and he said, you know, I grew up all my life in the ghetto and I was told all these things by the democratic party, things we wanted to hear and they wanted our votes and we always voted that way and it never came to fruition. Mm-hmm. And I realized one day I'm going to do this. On, I have to do this on my own to pull out of this. And so I did. And that's why he's conservative. He, yeah. he felt like the Democratic Party lied to him all of his childhood. Mm-hmm. And so he thought, well, I'm going to work hard and just be be my own self. Be your own yeah. self. Well, one of the things I think that happens is also people put people in boxes. So you're 
this, you're this, you're this. And we have to always remember freedom is not free. Mm -hmm. And to be free, you must have an initiative, first of all, of making sure that you want to be the best that you can be and also productive and have God in your in your heart and be able to understand that nothing in the government belongs to the you government. It belongs, on, you can't depend belongs on to others. you. You without, gotta do yourself. Yeah. yeah. And so, that's, that's what, um, what, why you, what you said earlier resonated with me so well when you said, who is your father? And for me, that was a question that I had to ask myself when I was born again at the age of 18. Um, again, I grew up in the church, but, um, whenever I began to wake up, I was reading the scriptures and what, what I really got hung up on was this idea of being born again and the concept of being born again. Um, and realizing that, you know, Jesus said like you were born of a natural birth of natural parents who taught you natural things. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for you to be born again, to be born of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, and what that meant for me was letting go of all of the preconceived notions I had, letting go of all the cultural things that have, that I've been indoctrinated into and coming with my hands open to what is it that God would tell me in terms of how I should live my life in terms of what kind of father I should be, what kind of son I should be, what kind of employer I should be, what kind of employee I should be, whatever facet of my life I find myself in. What is God's arbitration on how I ought to do this? And I think in waking up to that, it really freed me from the strongholds that so many people, black, white, what have you, are under. With it goes back to what you were saying, Billy, about just being free to understand that if I want something in life, I have to pursue it. I can't wait for whether what what it's the Democrats promising promising me something, whether it's my educators promising me something. Whoever it is, if they're promising me something and that de-incentivizes my ability to go after it, Mm -hmm. then what are we doing here? All the successful people I've met hustled. They worked. They earned it. You know, and and that's what you have to do. I mean, I was raised in a home that you worked from the moment that you could work. And first of all, God was in my house at all times. And without him, there was nothing we could do. My pa- my grandparents came from another from another country. Uh, my mother was military, and they raised me to be have the values of my home, and that was God first, my family second, and work third. And this is how I raised myself. But what I see in the communities today, everybody's about having a phone in their hand and seeing who tells them what they need to do and what they have to do. So let's continue with yeah. your. Let's talk with, about the, with your, he, he stopped around you, the part of the movie. Of the movie, We've got a few yes. minutes left. So on this, show, on this segment, Justin yes. Malone reached out to you, mm-hmm. and what happened next? Where did you go? What did you do for him? Right. So um, so whenever he met with me for the interview, um, I was late to the interview, of course. Oh, so, yeah. I understand. So I feel you on that. <laughs> uh, I, I, was, I was busy that day. But so we... we we met up for the interview and he was asking me questions that, that a lot of people are afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. He was, he was, the, the questions were very real. They were very raw, but I could tell that there were certain, certain things that he was reluctant to say. For example, um, he had been trained to refer to black people as African Americans. Oh. And so he was trying his darndest to, not use that word to use the, instead the word black. And I, and I commended him for that because 
one of the ways that the left wins is by in, enforcing their language, their words, their verbiage into the public square. And it's and, and, and when they do that, they're able to uh, drive the narrative. It's a it's a narrative building. Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And in so doing um, downstream of that, they're able to to get their way. And so when we as conservatives began l- using language of the left, we've already lost the battle. And so I really appreciated him for that, for, for just that one thing. And that allowed me to really open up and just go all the way in the interview. And so um, he said it was one of the the best interviews he's conducted in a very long time, not to flatter myself, but uh, with that, okay. once That's again, you're here. <laughs> with that, once again, he was able to, to uh, win the favor of Larry Elder and, and others. And the film did as well as it did. But, um, but yeah, so from there, he was following me around going from job to job, just kind of seeing like a day in the life of, of myself. And, um, and so, yeah. I w- and so you're in this documentary. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have not seen it yet. Yeah. So, so I'm exciting. probably going to watch it when I get home tonight. <laughs> now I'm Billy Tatum with Alexandra and friends. And today we're talking to Chad Jackson. And right now we're talking about this documentary film. He was in uncle Tom. Tell us a little more about that. So, yeah, he followed me around. Uh, we went to a lot of job sites and he just got to experience, um, you know, what my day to day looks like. Um, he went away, um, did some more traveling around the country, uh, doing more interviews and haven't heard from him. And then around about February of 2020, he calls me and says, hey, uh, do you mind coming to the studio in Dallas to watch a rough cut of the film? And I said, yeah. So my wife and I, we went to Dallas. Um, we're, we're in Cedar Hill. So we went to Dallas. We watched the rough cut of the film. My mind was just blown. I was I was shocked to see that I was in the film as much as I actually was. I, just, I can't wait. I thought it, I thought <laughs> I would be in there for like maybe a minute and a half or so. But yeah, I noticed you've gotten a lot of what they call FaceTime. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait to watch it now. I know yeah. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so the movie was received very well. Um, because what it did was it broke down kind of the basics. It's a kind of conservatism 101, um, and how we as blacks fit into that, because really what it is, is it's not so much a promotion of conservatism as much as it is a promotion of American values in general, of the American idea in general. And did it open your eyes any? Yeah, it did. It did. Because, you know, you can never really know everything. Yeah. And whenever you are able to put different, because the thing is like with the cast of the film, you have blue collar people, you have farmers, you have intellectuals, you have academics, you have people from all different walks of life within black America. And so they all bring something different to the table that I think we all learn from. And so, and so, yes, I did, I did learn something that day watching the film and, and Justin is just a phenomenal director. Wow. Um, it feels like this film will break down barriers if everyone watch it. Right. Yeah. And so the, the gist of it is you have the American idea and you have an active effort that has always been at play and still is at play to this very day that aims to separate people from that American idea to stand in the way as a chasm between you and that American idea to prevent you from realizing just how free you are in this country. And where, where the, does the movie start in tracing that, mm-hmm. that, that, that thread through the history? Uh, it starts with Du Bois. Um, obviously it's a long layered, complex story and mm-hmm. you only have an hour and a half to really right. get the point across. So we, we, 
they because I'm it wasn't we at the time, but they yeah. really tried to just focus on those boiler points, um, focus on legislative policy under the LBJ administration mm-hmm. um, in the sixties. Um, and what was that about, real quick? Yeah, so basically it was incentivizing or de-incentivizing work ethic. It was mm-hmm. de-incentivizing productivity for blacks, promising them. That's about the time the welfare system was. That, that's exactly kicking, it, right? That's yeah. exactly it. And so um, it, it made men redundant, and so you had a lot of men leaving the home. But that's not just legislative related, legislation related. That's also cultural or media cultural, culture related as well. Um, where you kind of glorified debauchery and and indecency and mm-hmm. films and music and so on. So you you're, you're kind of inundated with this uh, lure out of the home, um, which a lot of black men, unfortunately, I've 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 read up on that before. How yeah. that was even a uh, a systematic racism thing to take mm-hmm. fathers away from mm-hmm. even the the drug campaign in the eighties. But the thing is, when you say systematic racism, a lot of people uh, immediately think of of white conservative people. I don't mean that. White supremacy. Right. I meant meant like the the system where the black community was targeted through Mm -hmm. the drug, the the drug campaigns Mm -hmm. in the 80s and 90s. And and a lot of fathers were taken Mm -hmm. and and imprisoned. And and then the kids grew up without. And that's where that stigma comes from. And, you know, I've read up on those things. But so... This movie, we mentioned earlier during the break, um, this movie can kind of enlighten you to step outside of your box. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think, well, this is me. I have to stay here. I have to live. The, I have to think this way. Right. And and that and you don't you don't have that box anymore. No, I don't have that box. Yeah. No, it's um, it's it's I'm free to live in the way that would generate the most flourishing uh, the most happiness for myself and, and my you family. Are happy, right? I'm, I'm very happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm at peace. And, that, and that's, that's the, uh, that's the important thing. That's what Christ gives me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's peace. And that's what America should be. Right. Are you yeah. married? I am married. I'm married. I have four kids. I have two boys and two girls. And so what is your wife saying? My wife's name is Hannah. And your children? I so, love their names. So <laughs> I want to hear them. So from oldest to youngest, Levi, Benjamin, Noel, and Elida. Oh my oh, gosh, wow. what beautiful names. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Delilah. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's after uh, Hannah's grandmother. So I love the names. Oh my gosh. I yeah. thought for a minute you were Jewish. How old are they? <laughs> uh, ben, okay, Levi is, you, you would ask me this question. All right. So, <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's get the wife, let's on, the get the wife on the phone. <laughs> I think it's all 10 and under, right? Yeah. So it has Le- to be. He's so young. Right? <laughs> Levi's eight. Benjamin's about to turn seven. Noel is three. And Elida is one. Wow. So, now I understand your children are, are um homeschooled is yes. that correct they are all homeschooled yes and that's how your wife knows michael clark's wife our that producer wife. yes excellent yes. excellent so, so connections very small world well i'm going to ask you a very <laughs> tough question here mm-hmm. larry elder who i adore i think mm-hmm. he's amazing was called all kinds of names while he's been running mm. so i see them this film is called uncle tom right could you tell us why yeah. it's uncle tom and how the name has gotten around for so many in the black community. Well, Uncle Tom, as you know, was written, Uncle Tom's Cabin was written by Harriet Beecher Stowe. And um, she is the woman who who Abraham Lincoln referred to as the, the young woman who started the Civil War. Um, because when she wrote the when she wrote her book, 
um, obviously it woke a lot of people up to the evils of slavery and it really intensified the abolitionist movement. Um, the thing about Uncle Tom, the Uncle Tom character who's based on a man named Josiah Henson, the thing about his character is he was a man of God. He was a man of strong faith and he refused to uh, rat out the slaves who left uh, to tell the master where the slaves were hiding. Um, he was the good guy in the book, to, to put it simply. Uh, there was another character on the plantation named Sambo. Sambo was the um, conniving um, um, character who was all too willing to tell the master where the slaves were hiding and to, to sell out his people, so to speak. So the thing about Uncle Tom is it later became a pejorative that you would call a black conservative. And the reason that is, is because the thing that made black conservatives black conservatives in the days of Booker T. Washington was their faith, was their uh, identification with the American idea. And this was during the progressive era where a lot of the, the white progressive intellectuals were very infatuated with Marxism. They were very supportive of the, um, the Russian revolution, Bolsheviks, the Bolsheviks. Right. And so they began to target what they called babbits, what they called, um, people who were, um, supportive of the American idea. And they targeted them by calling them all kinds of names, babbits, uncle Tom, so on and so forth, because the, that Christian faith was, was integral to, a person's belief in the American idea. And so Uncle Tom became a very slanderous word for a lot of blacks from then till now. Um, W.E.B. Du Bois referred to Booker T. Washington as Uncle Tom. Um, and and it, it just became one of those words throughout history. The reason why the film is called Uncle Tom, to make a, a long story short, is because it's a kind of way of re-romanticizing it, so to speak, of putting that name back into its original perspective of this was a man who was a man of God, who was loyal to his family, who was loyal to his people and did not have any hate or animosity toward the master, but rather wanted the master himself to be born again. Um, and I think that's, that's very, uh, that's the heart of, of what Christianity is when Jesus says, uh, I say, love your enemies. You know what I mean? And so we, we live in a society now where you are, we are taught to hate our enemy, to hate people who may or may not have a different perspective than we do. And so, yeah. And so the whole idea of this word, Uncle Tom, is to say, like, this is who he really was. And this is the, the right perspective of actually considering it. I'm sorry, that was so long winded. No, but, that's, no, that's great. no that, this but is once great. upon a time, you said that that was a. A bad that word was used in a bad way. Mm -hmm. Uncle Tom was a derogatory. Mm -hmm. They still use it that way. They wow. still use it that way. The, I actually did not people, know that. Yeah, black people against each other use it that way most mm -hmm. of the times. Right. But I've seen a very interesting, uh, maybe fallout from that. At least in Larry Elder's world, mm -hmm. is that he is not being called Uncle Tom as much now as he's being called the blackface of white supremacy. Mm, yeah. So that's, uh, that's kind of interesting. Those pesky yeah. liberals will say anything. Right. Well, what, they found, what they've <laughs> done is they've found a way to conflate white supremacism with 
patriotism. Well, no, they, yeah, they've totally redefined yes. what yeah. white supremacy yes. means. Right. White, in order to do that, yeah. yeah. Well, so, you find that everybody redefines everything that there mm-hmm. is. I mean, it's just... Well, not everybody redefines everything. Well, the, 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 the left the is left all side, about, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. they're controlling yes. the language. Controlling the language. Mm-hmm. And I think all... I look at Uncle Tom, I look at this... this um, She's holding the DVD in her hand. I'm holding the DVD that says <laughs> Uncle Tom. Yeah. I've... I think it raised the value of the, because the people that are in this film are amazing. Right. You've got Colonel Alan West, Brandon Tatum, Candace Owens, which Shout I out. think is going to be the, maybe running for president of the United States very soon. <laughs> uh, Chad O. Jackson, who I hope continues running. You've got a tremendous amount of awesome conservatives that mm-hmm. nothing has been free. I'm probably right. going to make my kids watch yes, this too. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, Herman Cain. Ran for president, yeah. he was an amazing man. So I think what has happened, you have changed the word, the name of Uncle Tom, and you have raised the um, the value to it. Well, much like Billy, um, a lot of people have heard this name Uncle Tom, but has doesn't really understand not. what it means yeah. or what, what the implications of it are. And so part of the genius in them naming it Uncle Tom is it draws people into what is this? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That it, it, it taps into that curiosity and it gives us the ability to, to, to explain that this is a pejorative that is used against black conservatives, but here is what we actually believe. And here's why. And here's where it came. The, from. This is amazing. I hope everybody, by the way, can you tell us where they, anybody can find this documentary? Yes. It's on Amazon prime right now. You can watch it on uncle Tom, uh, dot com. You can watch it on Salem media, um, SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Um, awesome. Yeah, so it's all over the place. I recommend it very, very strongly for Amazon. everybody, for everybody. <laughs> and you can find us at alexandraandfriends.com and at our Facebook site, if you're not banned from Facebook yet, um, Alexandra and Friends, uh 660 And also you can find our podcast out there, and you will be able to find information about how to get the movie, the documentary, at uh, those places as well. We are here with a great evening. I'm Alexandra, and we have Billy Tatum as my co-host and a wonderful guest by the name of Chad O. Jackson, who was uh, uh, talking about the movie Uncle Tom. And because he was really one of the stars of he it. Was, well, he was. He was one of the stars, not only a star, but now he's uh, into the production also and direction, and he's got, I can't wait to be in his movie. <laughs> you will may I not be, be able to call him for plumbing able, before long. Yeah, <laughs> so Chad, welcome again to Alexander Friends, and I hope that we, you're not, this is not the first time that you'll be coming back and talking about Uncle Tom. Too, right right yeah. wow so tell us a little bit more about what is your plan and what are you going to do when you grow up <laughs> <laughs> so um what, what i appreciate about being able to work uh with this documentary and potentially other films in the future is i, I believe that we as conservatives we have abandoned a lot of these uh, different facets of society that do influence public opinion and so as i was saying during the break uh, a lot of young people who are conservative feel like the way that they fight, the way that they get involved is to join grassroots politics and get it, you know, run for office and to do all these things, uh, thereby surrendering once again, the college and colleges and universities, entertainment, music, all of the different institutions, I believe that influence uh, public opinion. And so um, my, my involvement in the fight is to, once again, continue working in, in documentary making and so on, but also to promote a meritocracy, to promote 
um, these ideas of getting young people involved in these different institutions on the one hand, but also making it clear that America doesn't owe you anything. America has done its job in terms of, of giving you constitutional rights in terms of, of giving you the freedom that so many people have fought for for so long. Now it's up to you. Now it's up to you to pursue opportunities. Now it's up to you to, um, to go out and, and, and make it for yourself. Um, I feel like we are massaged in our public schools and, you know, with other type of messaging to be entitled to feel like we're owed something. For example, one of the reasons why Black Lives Matter is popular is because, well, I heard this, uh, this, this Black Lives Matter activist the other day saying that, like, Black Lives Matter exists because there's so many black people who are unemployed. They don't want to hire us. And the presupposition of that is America owes you a job. America doesn't owe you a job. Um, if as an employer, I have a, a company, you have a company, Billy. We're going to hire you if you are competent for the job or if you show that you're coachable. Amen. Based on yes. your merit. Based on your merit. Amen. And so, and so what we've done is we've created this generation of young people who believe that they're owed something. And so what that does is that de-incentivizes ambition, that de-incentivizes the understanding that I have to gain skills, I have to gain the talent, I have to pursue the education, I have to work hard, I have to respect others, and I have Mm -hmm. to respect myself if I want to be productive. And respect the process. Right. And so by de-incentivizing the process, it makes young people more susceptible, more open to socialist rhetoric. Right. And yes. aren't all those things that you just listed and like the, the positive uh, work habits and all that, isn't that uh, the new definition of white supremacy according to the BLM? <laughs> apparently, apparently. Uh, well, and, and, I, and I sorry, think, excuse me, I think the lack of having two parents in the home oh, and the mother trying mm-hmm. to raise two, three, six, eight, ten kids by, mm-hmm. them, by herself, it's impossible. Right. Man, Walk away from their obligation, and that is they who do. you need to blame for what's happening to the black children. Right. Not America, not the white people, not the black people. It's the parent in that home. Well, who, it's also the women who are incentivized to push the men out absolutely. because the government yeah. will be their daddy. Absolutely. Right. So mm-hmm. I am so glad that you're here tonight and mm-hmm. you can stand up and you can continue in the community to talk about this mm-hmm. because you're black and you understand what it's like. And I know that you can make a difference in the community. Right. And I hope you do. Yeah. And, and it's and it's sad that it's come to that, mm-hmm. that a person's skin color. Uh, That's right. Uh, gives credence to what it is they're saying. Um, but this is where we are. And one of the things that the media does and that Black Lives Matter does is they say, well, we need to lift black voices. We need to make black people heard. OK, well, I'm a black person. So here's what I have to say. Very good. Um, but they don't want to hear you. But they don't want to hear me yeah. because I'm no, not the no, right black not person. Not that black person. Yeah. Right. Not that white person. And this goes back yeah. to what you, wait, wait, you're, you were saying about about um, the L.A. Times saying that Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. That was right? so sad. I remember that. And now, so what yeah. they're trying to do is they're trying to disqualify his blackness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he may look black, but <laughs> he acts white. He's reinforcing this racist uh, capitalist system. And so one of the things that that really irritates me about these people is that when they 
disparage capitalism. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is they are they're also besmirching black people. Yeah. But yet they're claiming to be on the side of black mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing when they besmirch capitalism is to say that black people are too incompetent and too stupid yep. to to operate in a capitalist society. They need socialism because they need to be taken care of. They're right. like children. And, and so. And so that's I what they're doing. I heard that. Yeah, it yeah. is. It, it is. It's so sad because they 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 minimize the person to where you're nothing. They mm-hmm. think your brain is not good enough to do anything. Right. And th- and this is what the problem I have is, how can this people say that about people? Because it only hurts them right. instead of helping them. And they, we're here to help you. But and, the thing is, like, and that's why that's why I homeschool my kids. Very mm-hmm. good. Because uh, this whole idea of I'm going to belittle you and and I'm going to be condescending toward you by saying that you need socialism because you need to be taken care of. The only reason why a, a adult would be receptive of that condescending rhetoric is because they have through the public school system been indoctrinated to believe that they are in need of such paternalistic provisions. Uh, Yeah. I feel like they come out of school Mm -hmm. looking for this issue. Right. To to propagate in front of them and, and be a roadblock for them mm-hmm. instead of avoiding it and and just carrying on and, and going through life, learning what you were supposed to learn, which is get out there, get educated, do hard work, mm-hmm. put a smile on your face when you show up. And mm-hmm. if you don't enjoy your job, go somewhere else yeah. where you do enjoy your job and you'll be OK. But they, they come out of school looking for a problem, mm-hmm. looking for an issue to overcome so they can feel like. They're a victim. Right. Yeah. And so it's my agenda and it is an agenda. I'm not ashamed to say Good. I have an agenda. That's okay. Good. And this is a, another That's thing. That's why you're that here this evening. Yeah. Yes. This is another thing that conservatives are afraid of. Oh no, like let's let's not talk about agendas. Like, no, I have an agenda. My agenda for my kids is to instill in them confidence, uh, a a love and a faith in God and self respect to where they are not susceptible to being overtaken or wooed by a demagogue who seeks to control them, control their vote, control their housing, control where their kids go to school. Like, I want them to understand, like, no, as an American, you have constitutional rights. Amen. The real value of the Constitution. The government works for you, not the other way around. I think a lot of people in my generation don't understand that. And because they don't understand that, it's very easy for demagogue politicians to take advantage of them to control them, to force them to take a vaccine, to do all these different things that go against their freedom. You know, I mean, I, be, I, I believe that you should you should operate based on your own values, your own views. It's whenever you start uh, enforcing it for everybody that I have a problem with it. And mm-hmm. I think that the fact that we are open to that uh, is a testament to how miseducated we are. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Chad, and I think also we're for, we're going into that uh, socialism world. Uh, they it, because we keep hearing the government's going to pay for your college. The government's going to send you three hundred dollars a week for you to take care of whatever you need to do, or fifteen hundred. The, the government is becoming your parent, so the kids don't know any different. Right. So what happens now? We go home and they sit around, they play on the computer all mm-hmm. day long, yeah. and the values have just walked out the door. Right, and it's amazing to me because we're 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 making Uncle Tom too, and so we're we're deep diving in all this archive footage and what I'm finding when we're going through footage from the thirties up until about the fifties or sixties is these fathers are outside working and their kids are right there with them. Mm-hmm. 
their their kids are right there cutting down trees and 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 plowing and doing all these things. It's not it's oh, not just raised. black kids. It's white kids, white kids too. Yes, white kids are picking cotton. Asian kids. Mm-hmm. White kids yeah. are picking cotton yes. in the south. Yes, we think of cotton picking as this black thing. No, there were mm-hmm. white kids out there of picking course. cotton too. And so my grandmother was, was hustling. Them. Right. And yeah. so the thing is, is like it wasn't uncommon for kids to be working to uh to know how to do laundry with a big uh a kettle and, and hot water and, and all these different things to where now it's all about how to like you know what kind of clothes do i have uh what you know i need to get the P- new ps5 i need this i need that and so it's like there's no incentive there's no instilling of hard work ethic of of values of just knowing how to be productive. To be productive, and one of the things, Chad, that I think is that the government or the the uh, people, and I'm going to say the the left, basically, they instill in everybody that we all are responsible for mm-hmm. what happened 100 years ago or yeah. 60 years ago that we went to Africa and brought mm-hmm. people in. We are not. Right. We're a different generation. Right. And when people start realizing that, and when we, as one and other, I don't, I. I I wasn't here then. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I don't want to be your enemy. I want to be your friend. Right. And that's where we, where we're going. We're we're splitting our young people today. They're going this way and this way, but we weren't here at that right. time. We're only trying to make things better. But to take that a step further, not only are they saying that we should pay for the sins of what people did in the past, they're also saying we should pay for the sins of what people are doing right now. And so, for example. Um, that we as taxpayers are having to flip the bill for other people's poor life choices. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it's your choice because we're not teaching our kids the value of saving the value of production and hard work. Um, we are obviously having to put more money into social security because we're not teaching, um, our daughters, the, uh, the importance of, and our sons, the importance of modesty and the importance of, of, um, you know, waiting till you're married and, and, and the value of family, we're now having to uh, pump money into Planned Parenthood. And so we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're paying for the, this, the, the fallout of a postmodern society that de-incentivizes the importance of family values. Yeah. Marriage especially. Chad, yeah. I, I want to tell you, I want you to come back. I want to do, uh, I want to see yeah. you come back and we're going to talk about more things about life and the black community, how amazing they are, how smart they are and how they can bring themselves to, uh, to know that God created them because he loved them so much. Mm -hmm. He created each of us. So I'm so excited you were here tonight. Um, Let us know when you get ready for uncle Tom too. But not only that, I'd like for you to come back and talk about life. We talk about life, health, (laughs) wealth, and love. And these are facts of life. We want to, and de- dwell more into the black community of yesterday mm. okay. because that makes the difference of tomorrow. So um, what do you think, uh, Michael? Was I, this a great show or I not? I think this has been a great show. Fabulous guest. And I'm just sad that Courtney missed out on it. Oh, my yeah. God. But, uh, yeah. I guess we'll catch up with her next week and, and uh, maybe she'll be here next time Chad is on. Uncle Tom can be found at SalemNow.com or at Amazon.com. Uh, obviously, um, you can find those links as well at our website, alexandraandfriends.com, or on our Facebook. Uh, you might have to scroll down a little bit. Depends on how long ago this show was recorded when you're listening to it. But at uh, Facebook, Alexandra and Friends 660. And we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Good evening. Goodbye.
You've been listening to Alexandra and Friends, the podcast. Reach out to us on Facebook at Alexandra and Friends or write us an email, alexandraandfriends660 at gmail.com. Be sure to mark us as one of your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode. And now some behind-the-scenes content just for our podcast subscribers. We're dropping in on a conversation that Chad O. Jackson was having with Alexandra and Billy Tatum during one of the breaks. And Chad is speaking about how the leftist influences have taken over different aspects of our culture and conservatives have just ceded that ground. Influences public opinion. Right. Yes. And right. so we, we've, we've surrendered the colleges and universities. We've surrendered music. We've surrendered entertainment. We've surrendered uh, even the nerdier jobs, uh, historians, librarians, art creators. We, we've, we've surrendered all of these things, not realizing that these are the, the tenants that control and influence public opinion. Right. And politics is downstream of public opinion. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we, we think that the only way to really fight the battle is by getting involved in grassroots politics and, and, and running for office. And I, I guess I just have a different kind of no, more outside of the box. Are you right. recording still, Mike? I'm recording <laughs> again. That's good yes, stuff. Yes, I, oh, I know. And I think what I'm going to tell you is a lot of the conservatives, a lot of the Republican Party, they're scared to say the wrong. They're, they're going to be yes. beaten up mm-hmm. because they said the wrong word. Right. Uh, uh, so and, and people, so, people choosing to be offended is how I feel about it. You know, you know what? I don't like that one thing, mm-hmm. and now I'm offended, and you need to respond to that. Right. And so, so I think that's where you, I think that's where you come in. I'm very vocal, mm-hmm. and I really don't care what what you're <laughs> going to say about me, but I stand for what I believe. And I think mm-hmm. what happens is our our well, our politicians, our the, the, that are running our country. If we're conservative, we're afraid to say. Oh, we better call you uh, uh, African American because mm-hmm. somebody might get upset because right. you're black, right? Right? Yeah. But I'm not going to call but they you. Call me white. Well, I know, but the thing about everybody's scared <laughs> of what they're going to call call you. Uh, Larry Elder was running. He's black. They called him all kinds of right horrible names. Who uh, did? Uh, people, the, the people in the streets, they beat him up with yeah. eggs, right? Because really? he stayed. Yes. Oh my gosh. They, he they was, really threw eggs. Yes, yeah, and they hit him in the either. face. Yeah. But he stood well, for what the media he won't cover. believed. He, you know, the media didn't even mention to him he was that he was a black candidate. Mm-hmm. They did mention the the governor of that was running for New York that she became governor because the other guy was a pedophile or a <laughs> sex or crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you <laughs> see, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. They get scared because what's going to happen? What are they going to tell about me? What are they going to say about me? You've got to stand up and say, yep. this is what I believe in. It's I'm white, you're control. black, and God created us. Yeah, it's all what about can control. You do? What yeah. can you do? If if God brought you and created you, how can you change it? Right. Absolutely. You should be proud it, of who you are. It goes back to if, if kids of all colors were born and raised in the same room or the same house and not told anything about the history of race, would they be racist? No. no. They would not no. be. But they the racist is They brought, might separate uh, on other things, though. Well, yeah, everybody has their differences, yeah. but I don't think it would. I don't think it would be what it is today. No, definitely not. Today is no. the anger, the hate, the indoctrination, the indoctrination from your families yes. and your, so, your parents or grandparents. You know, 